Today's reading is from Mark 9, 30 through 50. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum um, when he was in his house. He asked them, what are you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be very last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me but the one who sent me. Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can, be, can in the next moment say anything bad about me, for whoever is not against us is for us. Truly, I will tell you, I'll tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where... The worms that, that eat them do not die, and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves, and be at peace with each other. This is w the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, my name is Nikki. I am the Minister of Youth, Families, and Community Engagement here at Christ City Church. Um, I get to pastor these awesome little ones, but not alone. Um, <laughs> we have Kids City volunteers, we have Teen City volunteers who um, we get to walk this path together along with the kids. And it's mutual um, discipleship because us as volunteers don't know everything. And so, uh, yeah, this is an honor to be here and send it to you. I said I was going to wait to the very end to cry, but I feel it coming. Um, <laughs> this, uh, this Youth Sunday feels different, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's because they, this teen, the teens that are bringing the hot fire message today have literally been working on this for almost like a month, and it all came together in Teen City together. We've been working on probably about a month, but then it came together this week. So I'm super proud of them. Again, please limit your walking um, and talk to them. Show them your smiling faces. Everybody just smile at me for a minute. That's, this is what they need to see as they're up here. All right, are y'all ready? Let me pray for you. <laughs> God, I just thank you for this day. I thank you that um, these, these children and big children <laughs> um, are able to you, bring their gifts to this ministry. I thank you for a space that allows us to 
takeover on Sundays, and you get to hear the word from our point of view, um, from their point of view. So um, God, I lift them up. I thank you that they can shake off all the nervousness and all the wiggles, and I pray that um, everyone here can leave with something. Um, so yeah, amen. I'll introduce them really quickly. Um, first, you will hear from Annabelle. And then you be, hear from the big homie, uh, J-Man. And then you will lastly hear from Nate the cutie. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so you ready? All right. All right, um, Annabelle, let's go. Give her a hand clap as she comes up. Hi, I'm Annabelle. I'm a teen here at Christ City. I'm in eighth grade. I've been in D.C., or at least the D.C. area, for around eight years, when you add it all up. I lived in Alexandria, then Denver, then D.C., then Denver, and D.C. again, and now back to Alexandria. And if you're wondering, no, my family's not in the military. My parents, Nate and Sarah, helped start this church and branch from the northwest side, and this church started in my living room in east side D.C. I was too young to remember, so if you want details, ask my parents. At the Teen City Retreat, when Nikki was talking about Kid City Sunday, I was trying to get the most behind-the-scenes work that I could get, or at the most, do announcements. But no, Nikki was trying to convince me to pull them gifts out. She asked who would preach, and I said, whatever, I'll do it, not thinking that I would actually be doing this, but here we are. <laughs> so this is for you, Nikki. <laughs> Basically, in Mark 9.30, Jesus is predicting his death for the second time and talks about embracing children. Meanwhile, his disciples are arguing about who's the greatest. This seems very thoughtless if you ask me, but then again, I'm not really the one to talk because Isabel and I do this practically every day. My twin sister and I look for even the slightest differences in ourselves because everyone perceives us as the same person. Some people might not think of it, but we can't call each other ugly. We'll be arguing and yelling at each other, well, at least I'm not ugly, and the other will respond, we have the same face, what are you talking about? <laughs> And I know as I'm standing up here, I should be saying how we are all created in God's image and blah, blah, blah. But when I'm mad, I'm going to say whatever I think of. And I'm going to be honest, God is not at the top of my thoughts then. <laughs> so just know I don't mean this, Isabel. I love you very much. <laughs> but when we fight, this could range the stupidest things from hair length to the color of our shoes. We'll argue about who is better than the other, whoever is the greatest in our parents' eyes, who's their favorite child. You know, your basic arguments. I feel like every sibling does that. But today, in front of y'all, I'm going to take the liberty to say that I am the favorite. <laughs> so God was trying to get these disciples to tell the truth. He was like, yo, so what were y'all talking about earlier? They didn't exactly want to speak. I mean, I wouldn't either, but they did. So after the disciples admitted to Jesus what they were arguing about, Jesus responded, if anyone will be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. When God says this to the disciples, he tells us that we are leaders by serving others. In our own current context, in the grand scheme of the world, or the U.S., we often think about it as a social, racial, and economic hierarchy that seems like all systems are based upon. I learned a lot about this from my dad, and I do have to say that I'm glad my parents put this in perspective for me. I've also learned a few things for myself. The first thing would be society pushes us into a box of consumerism. By sitting in that box, when you don't really think about it, it just seems fine. People consume things. However, it really just determines our worth, a ranking, who has more, who is better, who has the most success. Basically, who is in last place is less than the rest. This reminds me of that book, The Sneetches by Dr. Seuss. 
I don't know if all of you are familiar with this book, but I loved reading it. My parents read it to me a lot at bedtime, and I chose it mostly because it was a longer book and it would delay when I had to go to bed. But aside from my debates with my parents about my sleep schedule, Dr. Seuss wrote this to teach children about discrimination in World War II and how to treat people equally. So the green creatures with stars had more value, while the green creatures without stars didn't have as much value. This can be applied in a ton of different areas in life, not calling everyone a green creature, but it reminded me of rankings. Later in the book, this guy comes and builds a machine to add stars to, to these sneeches so that they're all the same. Then the sneeches of stars get mad and they remove the stars and so on. Living with God and making his kingdom come contradicts what society teaches us. We're not all the same and weren't made the same. Being successful isn't by being the greatest. In fact, the definition of success is simply the accomplishment of an aim or purpose. Last place shall be first. In order to live as God wanted us to, we should take last place and be certain of all, even if it means that we aren't doing the same things as everyone else. In this day and age, kids were one of the least powerful groups in society. I was talking to Andrea about what I was going to speak about, and she asked me, how can, teach kids, how can kids teach adults humility? She told me this verse in Matthew 18.3, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. But why would an adult need to become a little child to be closer to God? That's what I didn't understand. So last weekend, my family and I went to Kansas. And while I was in Kansas, I got to see my little cousin. She's about two years old, and every time someone would, someone would walk into a room, she would say hi to you and then turn back around to what she was doing, remember you're there, and say hi to you again. She was really chatty and spoke everything she wanted to say. No adult would do that. You know, have no filter, say whatever you want to say, and ask a million questions. I think that children have such an open mind. Like, no, no adult would ever put themselves in the shoes of that. So if you put yourselves in the shoes of a little two-year-old, you haven't had many experiences. Curiosity is overflowing you. Well, as an adult, your list of experiences just gets longer while the curiosity becomes less and less. So when God wants us to come as little children, he wants us to be open with him like any little child would. Be curious, talk to him. Enter the kingdom of heaven like you don't know anything and let God teach you. In Mark 9:37, God states, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me but him who sent me. Embracing children, the little people that were last, putting them first, embracing them is embracing God. I'm basically telling you now to lose a few years and be a toddler. Think about it this way. You'll be very productive because toddlers can do more in one unsupervised minute than most adults can do all day. <laughs> So in the next week or days or whatever, I challenge you to ask yourself, how much do you put yourself in a position where all you think about is being the greatest? Trying to be the greatest. And lastly, how often do you let yourself forget the things you know and ask God what he has to teach you? Because maybe those are the things you want to have success in rather than trying to keep up with society's opinions. Thank you. Uh, hi, I'm Jamin. I've been a member of Christ City Church for 10 plus years. When Nikki asked me to speak today, I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit nervous, so bear with me. There might be some, some mess ups, but I wanted the opportunity to be able to share my thoughts on these verses. Just to give you guys a little background on me, I'm in 10th grade. I love sports, clothing, and cooking. My parents are Jeff and Lori, and my brother is Julian, who's serving on the hospitality team. So let's get into it. My section... My section of scripture was Mark chapter 9, verses 38 through 41, and it reads as follows. 
Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop, because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me, for whoever is not against us is for us. Truly, I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. Many people may think because they are not preachers that they can't share the word of, the, of God. They may think if they don't have an official title, then they have nothing to offer. I'm here to tell you that this is not true, and just because you don't have an official title or get up here and preach doesn't mean that you, can, you are not able to share the word of God. Every Christian is a disciple of the Lord. Also, you do not need to be in a church environment to share the word of God. God is with you always in life, in turn meaning you are always able to share his word with others. Sharing God's word can be as simple as wearing faith-branded apparel and jewelry, inviting a friend to your church or small group, to sharing a testimony and talking openly about your faith. One thing that stood out to me is when the disciples saw the person driving out the demons, Jesus said to them, do not stop him. To me, it shows that anyone is welcome and encouraged to share the word of God, the good word of God, of the Lord. It is not just for an exclusive club. club. <laughs> and, it, and it certainly will not affect the reward from the Messiah. This reward could be perceived as many different things by different people. When you think about a reward, what comes to mind? Money. Money, presents. Fame. Uh, when I gold medal. When I think about a reward, I think of something you work towards or have worked for. The definition of a reward is a thing given in a thing given in recognition of one's service, effort, or achievement. We as humans are motivated by the prospect of rewards. In the Bible, God constantly would promise rewards and blessings as long as you showed your faith in Him. He promised Abraham and his seed blessings. He saved Daniel from the lion's den because of his faith in him, and God promised that all those who believe in him would spend the whole of eternity with him. For me, this reward God is talking about is God's grace as he answers my prayers and works constantly in my life. However, you need to be able to discern well and be able to see when people are using God's name in the wrong way. A simple way you can do this is to ask yourself, does this look like Jesus, or does this push me to be a better person? The subject reads, whoever is not against us is for us. Think about who is for you in your personal life and who are you for in their lives, and how do you know? The biggest takeaway from all of this is that any and everyone is called to share God's word. Everyone's way of doing so will be different, but it will all be to serve the Lord. myself situated right here real quick. All right, so good morning, church. Uh, uh, my name is Nate Watson. I've been a part of the church for around nine years. Um, my dad over there and the pastor. What's up, dad? <laughs> um, a few of my hobbies. Um, I like to ride bikes, especially BMX bikes around the city. Um, and earlier this year, I began studying photography, if y'all want. Uh, not right now, but y'all can follow my Instagram, at Nate's Visuals. Um, also this year, I was a starting quarterback of my JV football team, but it was still a lot of fun. For the past few weeks, Teen City has been studying Mark's gospel, just like the rest of the church. 
We were on a retreat a few weeks ago. We studied Mark 9 in general, but focused on different sections and smaller groups. The group I was in was uh, me and my man, Jamin. We was putting that work in. Um, but for the past few weeks, I've been thinking about these verses, and here are some of the takeaways. In Mark 9, 42 through 50, Mark talks about how it's important for us to, go t- to cultivate a strong faith, and anything that distracts us from growing in our faith should just be put to the side. Uh, in verse 42, if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. That's pretty harsh, I can't lie. But the main idea of what he's saying here is that we don't need to be causing others to stumble in their faith. You need to encourage and help the people around you to grow in their faith and just grow in general, along with motivating them to do the right thing when it might not always be the easiest decision. So I Googled what a millstone was. And (laughs) it was a giant rock used in mills to grind grain back when uh, Jesus was running things. So (laughs) Jesus kind of goes, Godfather, gangster, he's so... If you are someone who's frustrating or blocking people's journey to God, then like, yo, might as well just go swim with the fishes. Like, come on now. But what that means for us is that we need to make sure we aren't getting in the way of people's relationships with God. Instead, we need to make sure that we are there for people and keeping the best interests of others in mind. Jesus is telling us that we should be there for people and not be an obstacle in their journey with Jesus. This means we can't be leading people in a direction that doesn't honor God, but it also means that we can't be representing God in a way that's dishonorable. We need to display God's love as welcoming, fair, just, and loving. We could be a stumbling block to others in faith by encouraging things or habits that might not be the best for someone. Like, hey, you want to go steal this candy bar from 7-Eleven? Like, we can't just be doing that. But it's also being a bystander, not saying something when you're aware of these bad habits with someone that you love. A couple ways we can help people that we know and care about in faith is just by holding the people you know accountable for their actions and to set them back on track if something's not going the right way. Or even something like just checking in on them, making sure that your people are doing good and that they are feeling good in their faith. And if that's not the case, offer to pray for them. Then Jesus says in verse 43, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter your life maimed than with two hands and go into hell where the fire never goes out. I mean, I'll take that option. I don't really want to go to hell where it's hot. But, and if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than to have to be than have two three two feet and thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than have two eyes and be thrown into hell. Again, some pretty harsh language coming from Jesus. But basically, what he's saying is that if there's something in life keeping you from following Him, you need to cut it out of your life so that you can grow in faith. Anything that distracts you or takes your eyes off Jesus, even if it's a good thing, I- if it keeps you from the best thing, it needs to be put to the back seat. That, that could be a person, a thing, you know, a little too much Instagram for the day, because I've been there. But it just needs to take a back seat so you can get to where you want to go with God. Earlier this year, I started to get into photography. A friend of mine got me into it initially, my man Thomas. He might be here taking pictures, not sure. But um, then it... We would go around the city taking pictures of us riding BMX bikes, making a couple YouTube videos. Um, Then it grew into more street photography and images around the city. I began researching my own camera, software and equipment, saved up my money and bought my own camera uh, in May. When I started photography, um, I shot through the summer, then football season came around. It kind of had to take photography, which I've been studying for a while, I kind of had to take a back seat because I needed to study the plays. It's my first time playing football, so it was a pretty big commitment. And I needed to dedicate a lot of time to learning it. 
I just finished my first season as a starting quarterback of the Jackson, Jackson Reed JV Tigers, where I threw for over 1,000 yards and 13 touchdowns. I'm lying. We were trash. But uh, <laughs> it wasn't because of my stellar QB play. <laughs> but this has... This means that you got to set aside some things that may be good for you in life to focus on other things. But some of this has come full circle for me because now I'm being asked to use my photography skills and my knowledge of football to shoot for the varsity team and other football teams in the district. I've shot for my brother's team, uh, shout out Ridge Road. I've also shot for um, some Orioles players, Trending Craig, who um, he's a baseball player. But lastly, my question for you for this section is, what in my life needs to take a backseat so that I can focus up and lock in on Jesus, whether that be relationships, habits, a little too much war zone on the weekends. Um, but shooting, photography, and playing football are a part of my life, something that I think about every day and spend a lot of my time on. I also need to keep them into perspective and keep Jesus the main thing in my life. He's always got to be number one. So what is it in your life that keeps you from the main thing of following Jesus? Thank you.